Amen. You may be seated and good morning. For those of you I've not met, my name's Steve. It's my beautiful wife, Tammy. Uh, if you missed last weekend, we're doing a marriage series here in uh, August. Uh, these three weeks, last week we talked about uh, love, the importance of love, what women need today, what men need, respect. Next week we're going to talk about hope. But I got a couple of announcements. Uh, first off, I need to give you a construction update. So if you were with us last Sunday night, we had our volunteers dinner. What a wonderful time we had. Uh, and just was kind of laying out what the plan was that uh, because once we start tying into that, with that new building and they got the footers poured and the slabs going in this week, once we start tying into that, that uh, we're going to lose half of our building. And the timeline was... That was going to happen the end of September, 1st of October. is basically when we would lose that. That's how we were operating. So you can probably tell there's been a change. So we walked in on Wednesday and found out who knew, praise God, they're actually ahead of schedule. Right? We wait 18 months for them to move dirt, and now we're ahead of schedule. So I love it. So we, it's actually, all of that is going to begin here at the end of August. So next weekend is the last weekend that this building is going to be as it currently is, because starting on the 21st, uh, of course, one of the big things is our bathrooms are going to get re, not only remodeled, but they're going to get expanded, which is really, really great. Uh, but what has to happen is all of our adult classes like that are meeting here now, right now at the 9.30 hour and the 11 o'clock hour, they're going to move down to Western Sky. All of the bottom floor uh, children's space is going to move over here. So next weekend's the last weekend. With that, we need some help that week of the 21st. And if you go to events.dscchurch.com, you can sign up. But between Monday and Thursday, uh, every morning, and then every afternoon, we, get, we got a place you could sign up. If you can give us an hour or two and come and help, because all this has got to be moved out. We're going to have some storage bins back here, uh, get cleaned up, then everything moved out over here. We would really, really appreciate that. If you're new to Desert Springs, and I know... August is typically a time when a lot of people are out kind of looking, trying to find that new church. We're glad to have you. But typically what we do is expository Bible preaching. So we take a book of the Bible, we dive in. So this last February, we went into the book of Revelation, and we've dealt with the first three chapters. Starting chapter 4 is where we're going, and that will be the second weekend in September. So Labor Day weekend will be focused on communion, but now we're starting, and we've entitled it The Beginning of the End. How does this all get tied in together, getting ready for Jesus' return? So we encourage you to come and be a part of that, and that would be great. I also know you wanted to mention something. Yes, since I'm here, I am going to put a plug for women's ministry. Can't wait to get it all going. Gather us together again. Uh, it's going to be happening uh, about that second week of September. But with that, we have some needs because it's a wonderful problem to have. We have a lot of young families and young moms with little kiddos that need to be ministered to, especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have mops mothers of preschool children and our Bible studies that kind of fill up this room and 
uh, we need a little help on that. So that would be helpful to go to, again, the, uh, the events page and uh, could sign up there. So here in August, we're doing this respect, love, respect, hope, the three keys to a thriving marriage. And as we mentioned last weekend, if you weren't with us, we talked about love. What is it that a woman, God designed a woman, that she needs? Um, and then today we're going to deal with respect. Next week is hope. But it's not just for married couples. This is for everyone. There's, there's, figure out how God has made our kids and how God has made our parents. And I think there's things to, to kind of take away with all of that. One of the things that we mentioned, there's been three books that we highly recommend, but they've been very helpful to us in, in even putting our stuff together. Uh, number one is Love and Respect, Emerson Egrich. We're going to be doing a connect group uh, here out of the church this fall. You might want to get signed up to study that book. Wife School and Husband School by the Gordons. They're all uh, good, good books. Encourage you to pick them up. So last week we started... Got a really nice email this week from someone who says, Steve, hey, loved it, loved having Tammy up there. I think something to the effect the stage looked much nicer. Uh, but he said, you, you know, you're talking about love and you're talking about listening and you kept interrupting her. <laughs> and it was distracting. And I thought, I probably did, and I, I felt bad, and I'm going to try to do better, and I want you to understand that, but it also made me realize that maybe I need to explain a little bit of the, you know, kind of how our relationship works. So Tammy, if you don't know Tammy, Tammy is one of the most focused people you will ever meet. Uh, you can call it tunnel vision. If she's talking to you, you have her full undivided attention. <laughs> Hence, I'm more of the big picture guy, right? And so if I'm talking to you, I'm probably thinking about four other things, okay? Just to, to be honest. And so in this context, as she's diving in, I also realize how much information we have to get through and how much time is left. And so that's kind of how, you know, that works. Secondly, we're both fairly verbal people. Um, and so it's just kind of our vibe. I actually don't like to think about it as interrupting. I like to think about it <laughs> as active listening active listening so I'm going to try to do better but we actually ran this once and I didn't interrupt her once and we both went oh that will never work it's not us okay so so there you go that's just kind of who we are but I will try to do better so last week we talked about how God designed a woman the thing that she desires more than anything else in a relationship is is love when we think about men it's not love, it's respect. By the way, we gave some presuppositions because some of this is going to be very countercultural. Uh, and we gave some presuppositions last week. We'd really encourage you to go back and look at that. But we believe this is from the Word of God and, and therefore biblical way of thinking. And how God designed men internally was for them to, to rule, for them to lead. You see it in His creation. So God creates the heavens and the earth 
And then he creates Adam. Eve's not even on the scene yet. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. You're in charge. This is your responsibility. I'm giving this to you to take care of. A few verses later, it says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. God didn't name them, man did. It was his job. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And so how God wired a man, in essence, is to be the hero. Right? Take care of things. Deal with problems. You want to know why he doesn't listen? He tries to fix it? Because... He's made to try to fix it, right? He wants, he wants to do that. I was thinking about how, uh, even in our culture, so with all the, the movies and all the stuff that's going on, you remember what the last big, big, big blockbuster was? Top Gun Maverick. If you watched it, he was trying to do the right thing in a very difficult situation, he would take the heat on himself for why he had made some decisions in the past and wouldn't bring it up because that's how a man acts. Because I am to protect and because I am to lead, I need to act with honor. I need to be willing to do the right thing even if it's not understood because that's why I'm here. And in a family relationship, that's a big thing, right? I've, I've chosen this woman, right? She's mine. I will, I will die for her. I'm going to try to do the right thing. So acting with honor, doing the right thing, and, and for me, having that scene is just a huge piece. Yeah, so thinking about men and, and even being the hero and being strong and courageous and brave and all these noble things, and, and just physically, like, there's... I've often had, them, I think, mistakenly looked at that as, okay, a man can take anything. Like, all the words, everything, just throw it at them because they're tough and they're strong. And yet, what I've realized, at least in our relationship, is that what really crushes a man's heart is that disrespect, is when we, uh, they really feel disrespected. And it, it, it goes down deep emotionally, and, and many times, I think, so much so that that's kind of when we we have this, he withdraws because he doesn't know how to verbally process that, doesn't really know, uh, want to come back at me in, in a combative way, so he feels like the honorable thing is that he would withdraw emotionally, but that's my biggest fear, like, I don't want him to withdraw, withdraw me, from me emotionally, so the cycle kind of begins. Yeah, the, the crazy cycle. So women awful, often confront, not to point out, you know, and to make him feel bad, but it is to engage. But if that's that sense of, okay, I'm just always wrong, I can't do this, right? Men will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with one another. They'll even drop and fight. But now with a woman, that's not honorable. Especially the woman I pledged my life to, to be able to protect. So what do you do? Instead of engage and, and go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, you withdraw. I'll deal with it. This is on me. I, I'll just, I'll eat this. That is how a man sees the honorable th way to do, and that's why he often withdraws. And so this is why respect is so important. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. So I hope you're there. Ephesians chapter 5, what are wives told to do? Notice they're not told to love their husbands. What they're told to do is to respect them. 
So Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. That is a favorite verse of our culture, by the way. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Then he starts talking to men. So let's skip down to verse 33 when he sums all this up. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now, I wish we had time to do deep dive into this uh, text, but we don't. But here's the thing I, need, I think I, you need to understand. When it says there in verse 22, wise be subject, in my Bible, it's italicized. It probably is in yours. What does that mean? What it means is that word is not actually there in the original text. It's, it's added by the translator to help it make sense. So where does he get it from? Well, where he gets it from is actually verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. So he's talking about the family of God, the body of Christ. We are to be subject to one another. Now, what does that mean? That we, that we are doormats to one another? That we just go along for what everybody says? No, that's it's never said that. What does it mean to be subject to one another within the body of Christ? Well, I think the heart of it is in Philippians 2, that we ought to honor one another, that we ought to prefer one another, that we ought to put one another's needs ahead of our own, that, that we ought to think more highly of someone else than we think of ourselves. And oh, by, by the way, wives to your husbands. That's the heart of it. And I think that's why when he gets down to verse 33 and he sums it up, he, he uses this word respect. It's the very same word that, that Peter uses when he's talking to women who are married to uh, men who are not believers. He says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. This is... This is how God tells a Christian wife to treat her husband because he knows the way the man is wired. So I hear this as a woman and the word respect. First of all, it's a very broad word and hopefully we'll break that down here as we get further along. But uh, I've at least typically always feel like, of course I respect my husband. It's just how I feel. But to really do that so that he can feel that uh, is, is, I think, the difficult thing. And so, uh, for me, I often measure myself as far as being a good wife by things like, you know, I, I work really hard at my job, and I really, you know, I raised your kids for you, and I, uh, you know, run errands, and I, I cook, and I clean, and do all the laundry, and all these things that I'm doing because I truly love you, and I, I want you to appreciate that. And those, I think, are all valid, and most men appreciate but it doesn't meet that deep need in his heart. And I think kind of like last week talked about how as women, we have that deep emotional need for the love and affection and, and romance and, and deep conversation and, and those things that we quantify as making us feel loved, uh, that this is what we have to realize really means a lot to a man. We may 
really appreciate his paycheck, but if he doesn't meet those deep emotional needs, we're still feeling a lack. So, how does a woman treat a man with respect? And to me, it is not about, oh, that I've got to agree with everything, because let's be honest, men don't always make the right decisions. They don't always think right, right? We're, we're not perfect. It's, it's simply this idea of attitude. It's the idea of posture. It's when we have made a mistake or when we're, we're processing something that, you know, we're going the wrong direction. It's not like, you idiot. Now, we might deserve that, but that it's done with respect. So, again, let me give you a little glimpse into us. So, I've been told, I don't know, but I've been told that I can be somewhat of a strong personality. Um, and yet I come from a family that kind of likes confrontation. I mean, when we get together as a family, this elephant hunting is almost like it's a, it's a public sport, right? You know, we want to find the elephant in the room, let's kill it, let's dissect it in front of everybody. We can't find one, we'll go looking for one. That's kind of us. So when Tammy and I uh, got to that point, it was about a three-week dating period. I've told you that. It wasn't really long. Uh, real romantic. I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm looking for a wife, mother of my kid. You open to that, right? That's, that's how it all worked. Someday but I'll in, tell but my But in this period of time, as I'm getting to know her and I'm getting to know her family, what, what I begin to pick up is, and this isn't a right or wrong, it's just different. They weren't elephant hunters. In fact, when the elephant's in the room, you just ignore it. You just act like it's not there. You tiptoe around it. You just don't deal with it. And I'm going, this is not good for me. Because again, I don't, I don't want to run people over. I don't want to, to bulldoze people. I need, some, I need a strong woman. I need somebody who can look me at the eye and say, hey, have you thought about this? And one of the things I love about Tammy is I had that discussion. I remember we were out on the walk and I just said, hey, I'm getting a little concerned here because I need somebody and I just want, I just want to get, let everybody know that through 34 years, she's now really good at that. <laughs> but she does it with respect. It, it's not, Steve, you idiot. It's, hey, have you thought about it from this perspective? Have you, have you thought about how that's affecting this and this and this? It, it's just done in a way because she loves me. And again, I'm not sure that I always am super excited when it first comes, but she's trying to make me a better man. And that's one of the things that I truly, truly appreciate about her. Well, one of the things that I just said was that trying to get my mind as a woman around this whole idea of respect, and until we get to heaven, I don't think we're really going to, as men and women, fully understand each other, but uh, this broad stroke of respect, I've always tried to go, okay, what does that really entail? Like, what are the things, the elements? Like we talked about last week, there were elements that made us feel loved, or at least broad strokes. And uh, I, until I read... Uh, Julie Gordon, uh, she's talked about 
eight words that start with the letter A that help me get a little bit more of a tangible idea of how these are elements that mean a lot to a man that I think all together and sometimes separately show respect and help me get my brain around a little bit better. So uh, the first A is acceptance, that each one of each man uh, needs to feel like he is accepted for who he is the way God made him. And uh, I know that as women, I, I do a lot of women's ministry, and we, the most popular verse for all women's gatherings is, well, in chapter is Psalm 139, because we love to relish in the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God just created us, and, and he loves us just unconditionally. He just, we just love to bask in that. And yet, you know, we go on our honeymoon, and, and we're, we're just kind of blinded by love, and all of a sudden we start to get into this marriage, and we see these little things come up, like here's a weakness, and oh, I need to tweak that, and oh, that's a problem, and we start to make him our project, right? And we forget that he's fearfully and wonderfully made too, and that we need to accept him the way God made him, just like us, with half strengths, half weaknesses, and that we, we got to refuse to believe that all of us are flawed people, right? Um, and that we can get a man that is unflawed uh, and, and all strengths. And so I've heard it said that we need to be like the moon and the sun. You know, when it's a full moon, you know, we see the entire thing. Um, but when it's a half moon, the whole moon's still there. It's just that the sun is shining on only half of that. And if we can be like that and shine and focus our, our, our attention, train our minds to look at the strengths and the good things in our husbands and the things they do right and appreciate all those big things, um, the, some of the other things, weaknesses start to diminish and they start to go away, kind of like the other half of the moon. Uh, but we have to train our minds to think that way because for some reason, we think as women, we can fix men and they truly want to feel accepted. I think that's the other part that makes a man want to come home is to feel like this is a place where it's safe, where I'm accepted for who I am. I can let down. I can relax. This is where, this is where I'm appreciated for who I am. Second word, admiration. Every man has an admiration tank. Yes, so I think this is probably the biggest one out of all of the A words, at least in my opinion. But I've heard it said, Julie Gordon says, that each man has an admiration tank. The only problem is it has holes in it, and it has to be refueled daily. Um, so this is certainly a part that um, from everything I've read and heard and experienced is that men are highly attracted to praise. They need it. They're starved for admiration. And public praise is even worth five times as much. You know, our men want to know that they are our heroes. We should be their biggest cheerleaders. And letting other people know makes them feel even more valued and more admired. Um, it is the secret sauce, ladies, and we really need to pour it on. Don't use it sparingly. And remember that if, if that's where men are attracted, this is the avenue to their hearts, where they're getting that, that's where they're going to be drawn. And so if we aren't giving that to them, uh, maybe it's at the workplace, maybe it's somewhere else, but wherever a woman is giving them that admiration and that praise, they're drawn to that. So we need to be the ones to really be putting all that into their admiration tank. Yeah, the dangerous piece in this is that if at home the admiration tank is getting whole shot in it, 
because he just doesn't ever feel like he can measure up, right? Everything's critical. And then he walks into an environment where he's starting to receive that praise. That, that's a really dangerous thing. Proverbs puts it like this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that we use here are, are really, really important. Mm -hmm. So admiration kind of deals with who he is. Next one is appreciation. This yeah. is more about what he does, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we know that uh, over and over and over in Scripture, God tells us, be thankful, be thankful, always be thankful. We all need to develop an attitude of gratitude to everyone. But in particular, I think in men feeling respected, uh, Noticing the little things to the big things that they do for us every day is, is so easy to take it for granted. At least that's for me. And it kind of becomes the air we breathe. We all do that, with, with the, especially the people we love most. Uh, but we need to really think about, because if we stop and think about all the things that we do for one another, but that our men do for us, and they go out there, and they, they work super hard, and they take us on their back, and they, they do little things to big things, that it's important that we thank them, but be specific in those and do it often and really recognize and train our minds to, to be very grateful. All right, next one is, it is something that for, for me is really important and that is the idea of attention. Yeah, that men want us to be interested in them, be attentive to them and I, for me anyway, th this is something that, especially when little, kids were little and there was just so many needs, but there's always needs. And so uh, I often look at, you know, okay, there's needs at church. We gotta pray for this. We gotta do that. We gotta meet this person. We gotta, th there's needs everywhere. And typically, they're pretty, they're, they're legitimate. They're uh, sometimes severe, like you're going, oh my goodness, that's a crisis. Um, but. I'm the only one that can meet the need that my husband has of my giving him attention. And so I've got to prioritize that above all these other legitimate needs uh, because that is my place to, and that's his desire for my attention, the one that loves him most and that will let him know that yes, I am carving out this time. This is where we connect, where I listen and I hear about your day and I, maybe sometimes I know I've heard women say, I just don't know if I can handle one more day of that boring work talk because I've heard this over and over and over again. But these are the things that our, our men need. They need us to pay attention, listen to them, make it important, whatever is important to them. I don't know if it's because uh, up until about a year ago, it's never just been the two of us or what, uh, because we had Jamie, he was about two years old when we got married. But for us, one of the things I've always appreciated, well, first of all, we made the decision we would always go to bed at the same time. And so that became that place for us that no matter how busy the day had been, no matter how crazy, how much the kids, you know, the church, uh, women's ministry, uh, had, that was our time to connect. And it still is, because we live a, a pretty busy lifestyle, and there are days that we hardly see each other. And, and our kids just learn, because we put them to bed first, but when we went into our bedroom, we closed the door. It better be pretty important if you're going to knock. Because that was our time to talk about the day, to find out how each other's doing, to take the temperature of the heart. That was just really an important piece for us, not only then, but now. Mm -hmm. Yes, 
So activities is another A word that I think is very important to men. Uh, at least what I've observed is that typically when I see men bonding and doing things together, even socially as friends, it's over an activity. You know, they're doing something together. They don't typically like, let's just go and sit and have coffee for two hours or three hours. Um, you know, that's just not what connect, makes them feel connected. And so uh, I realized that this is something that we really have to prioritize in our marriage, that we find some things that we have shared interest in, things that we enjoy together, and they can be big to little, but we have to, we have to plan, we have to prioritize, we have to pay, we have to set aside sometimes those things to prioritize this time where we can enjoy it together. It's a beautiful thing, but I can't tell you how much, if you don't make that intentional, it just kind of passes by because nothing's screaming at you. You know, it seems like, oh, do we deserve this? You know, it, it's something that is a treat. And sometimes we're like, oh, we should put the money towards something else. We should put our time to something else. Oh, there's all these needs. Uh, our kids have all these activities. But this is something for the two of you that is really important. It's a gift. Marriage is a gift, a relationship, and we have to foster that. If we don't do it, I feel like this is where we begin to drift. The silent killer to any relationship is that drift apart. So we've got to prioritize this, commit to it. And I know even when we were younger, we didn't have a lot of money, but we'd find ways to do it. Yeah, we had so. the fireplace. You all remember the, it, it was like a paper log that would burn for four hours. So we'd buy one of those and put that in and a lot of times uh, go get a, a, like a big blanket and put it on the ground and we'd just sit and talk and sometimes we'd uh, have popcorn and Pepsi or sometimes we'd throw in a movie, right? But it was just, it was us. Kids were in bed. This was our time together. And I was thinking how how many conversations we've had with couples, mm -hmm. distraught wives, distraught husbands uh, in our time together. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we have yet to come to the situation and talking to them that we say, hey, you know, our relationship was great last week or last month. It just doesn't work that way. Somebody doesn't wake up and just say, I want to blow up my marriage. What we find every single time is that there's been drift that has been happening a long time. They're going their own way. They're not spending time together. They're not being intentional. And so finding those shared activities, those common interests, mm -hmm. is just really, really important. Mm -hmm. So the next A word is approval. And this is the one where I think everyone, every man wants to feel like he's enough. Uh, and I think that's closely tied to our contentment level, ladies, that, you know, let's face it, we kind of want it all. I mean, um, I can have a list and check one thing off and then I can think of another thing right away. Um, we got to keep our short lists. But it also think, oftentimes, this is sort of the, like the thing that measures the temperature of your home. Uh, it oftentimes is communicated, I think, by our countenance, by our attitudes, by how we're not joyful and we're not um, doing some of these other things like showing appreciation but you know when a, a husband comes in from work and just sees the downcast look it's like oh what happened today like uh, this is not so good uh, I think it's really important that we can communicate approval that they're more than enough and I think most men's greatest fear what I'm told is that they're not enough particularly for their wife 
And so this is something that we, we need to do by our countenance, but also with our words. You know, th there are healing words. Proverbs tells us that they can, they're, they're like honey to the soul, but they're also healing to our bodies. These are things that build our relationships up or destroy. And just on a side note, some of the most healing words I know are, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Those are the reset buttons for just about any relationship, and we need to remember to bring those in, but to speak words that let our husbands know they are more than enough, and we highly approve of who they are. So number seven is what all the guys came for, affection. Because warm words are good, but physical intimacy is important. That's right. So sex is a very important part of the affection for a man. But what I don't think I've realized, and I will continue to keep learning, but is how deeply that it meets a need deep in the soul and in, in the emotional side of a man. And um, I think that this is where uh, we just to try to grasp the value and the importance and how God made them to have this deep need uh, met. And so this was kind of an ouch moment for me, but I'm just going to share with you what Julie Gordon wrote because um, she said this, women, let's say it's your birthday or your anniversary. Your husband comes home with a present in a brown bag, unwrapped. He says to you, you know, it's a lot of effort to give you presents. I'm expected to give them all the time. I really don't enjoy giving you presents but I do know it's part of being a husband. I wish I didn't have to do this, but oh well. Here's your present. Hurry up and open it so I can watch the game. <laughs> so it made me remember and realize that first of all, um, as wives, we are the only one God approved to meet this deep need of a husband. And uh, I know that for me, this is something that I need to see, that I need to make it a greater priority, and that I certainly don't want anyone else to take that privilege from me. So I want to change hats here real quick, uh, because I'm a grandpa, young grandpa, but I'm grandpa. <laughs> and I want to talk to some of you single gals here. It's a very important piece of a, of a man, this physical intimacy. In fact, many studies show and prove that one of the biggest drivers of men even towards marriage is the desire to have that physical intimacy in an ongoing way. And I realize in our culture, we're told, no, 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 man, living together, it's okay, just whatever. But I got to be honest, it, it grieves my heart because I see it. I, I've got people in my life right now. They've moved in with a guy and now they wonder, well, they thought it was going to lead to marriage, but they're a year, two years, seven years down the line. It doesn't lead to marriage. And they go, why won't he put a ring on my finger? And I'm going, you kind of took one of his biggest drivers out of it. That's not the only driver, but, it, but God's ways are right. They always are. And it's truth. And you, you need to understand that God, God's ways are always best. And, and so 
just understand that if you are willing to go places, I think we all know what God's word says, right? That sexual intimacy is reserved for marriage. That there's reasons for that. Many more reasons than this one. But this is one of them. So, so just understand. That's part of how, how it's wired. Why, you know, why get married? We've got everything. No, 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 no. There, there, there's, there's reasons for this. Yes. Uh, the one thing that I think is interesting because it just shows how different we are as men and women, but something to keep in mind is that they say women want to feel emotionally close before they have the desire for physical intimacy. But men, sex is the avenue for men to feel emotionally close. So we have to consider where each other's coming from. All right, babe. We got to hurry. Authority right. is the last eight uh, yeah. of the words. Um, and as we said, this is one that we've just read all the scriptures of God's design, and we all know that in God's way, if everybody operates in the way that he wants us to, it's the, a beautiful picture. The problem is, is that a lot of these uh, things have been taken out of context. Some of God's word is used as a weapon at times in the past, and, and things have gone wrong. And so we have sometimes bad experiences ourselves growing up or uh, seeing things not work right. But when we really look at this, and together, if we look at God's plan, and we all operate in that design, as a woman, if there's a man, a godly man, who is loving me, like Christ, like he, Christ loved the church, that kind of love, there's really no greater umbrella of protection. There's no better design as roles are, are, are put there for order, for a, a, a family and for a marriage to have peace and harmony. Uh, it creates a beautiful place, and the way that God designed it is, is how he wants us to operate in these roles and this authority that he's given for our good. Again, very misunderstood, but I, I was trying to think back in our relationship, I mean, because she's not only my best friend, but I, I trust her wisdom, and I was trying to think of a major decision that we made that we weren't fully on the same page, and I, I really had to think hard, and I only could come up with one. And it wasn't that you were against it, it's just you weren't there yet, right? Because you were in some ways feeling like you're going to crush your daughter's heart. I didn't have the courage. But it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was with our daughter in gymnastics and it was going to, you know, they, they get you there and she's good, right? And they're going to ramp it up. And, and there was just something and we had been talking, but the decision had to be made. And that was, I mean, I think the only time. And you were, you were good with it. And you respected, you know, that. And then we ultimately saw that was a wonderful decision. But most every decision we've ever made, are, are, we're on the same page. We're working together. And a godly man is obviously going to seek that advice and seek that, that wisdom. Uh, and so it's a really important thing. All right, I've got like three minutes left. And I know because this stuff tends to be a little countercultural uh, that there's some pushback. Let me address a couple of pushbacks. Uh, because some of, you, some of you are sitting there going, Steve, you don't know my husband. I, I don't know that I can ever respect him, right? It's the question of does he have to earn my respect or is it unconditional? And if you remember, if you were here last weekend, and if not, I encourage you to go watch it. We talked about love. As a husband, I'm to love my wife unconditionally, the way Jesus loved me. 
Because ultimately, the way the Bible speaks about love, it's not an emotion, right? You can't manufacture an emotion. I get that. But that's not the love it's talking about. It's, it's a love that serves. It, it's, it's an action. So I choose to love my wife. What you'll find is a lot of times the emotion will come after. I think it's the same thing with respect. And may I also point out that respect is not the same thing as trust. Trust has got a real strong emotional component to it. You may not be able to trust, but you can respect. Because it comes with your attitude, your posture towards him. And I think what you may find is that if you will choose to treat him with respect, you might find your trust being rebuilt. But here's the thing. If you're asking your man to love you unconditionally and to earn your trust or earn your respect, you probably have set him up to fail. Second thing, okay, well then does that mean I have to live in an abusive relationship? You know, what if he's asking me to do evil? What if he's moving? Do I have to do that? And the answer is absolutely not. In fact, let me say, Clearly, if you are in an abusive relationship now, in this moment, and you do not feel safe, you need to move and get into a safe environment. I don't believe, you know, ultimately, our ultimate submission is to Jesus. And I don't think Jesus ever asked you to do that. You can deal with the relationship issues later, but you, you need for you and your kids to be in a safe place. That's not what he's asking you all or Jesus is asking us to do. Also, to be honest with you, I don't think it's very respectful if your husband is doing things and, and is behaving or, or uh, showing behavior that is harmful to him. I don't think it's respectful just to stand by and let it go. I, I don't think that's what God's called you to do. I think God's called you to challenge it, but to do it in a respectful way. That's the heart of this. And here's the, here's the, the bottom line. None of us are perfect. I am not a perfect husband, as you maybe have heard. Right? I hope, I hope I'm a better husband today than I was 34 years ago. What I want to share with you, and we're going to talk more about this next week, is the hope is found in the fact that in the person of Jesus, first of all, we can find forgiveness and grace. And we can find the ability to be able to forgive the other person. We also can find the power of the Holy Spirit within us to become better and to change. And those maybe the ways that we were raised or maybe those past experiences that we can get beyond acting and reacting according to them and now that we're acting and reacting the way Jesus would mm -hmm. because when you have a wife who's going to respect her husband the way Jesus wants her to and a husband who's going to love his wife it's, it's a wonderful thing and I believe God can heal marriages if we look to him. But it starts with knowing him. Let me pray. 